0: I'm so excited to have Danya Cabello with us today on Ath Mindset. I'm so excited to just hang out, tell stories, learn, and just be with you in the same space. I mean, you are a woman of many experiences and many things. You play collegiate soccer. You play professional soccer. You are a liberatory practitioner. You work in diversity and inclusion. You're a public speaker, a trainer. An educational consultant, you again, many, many things, and we'll jump into all those things and more. But I wanted to just kind of go to a moment with you, talk me through, like describe what was it like for you when you first learned that you' would be playing collegiate soccer at Cal Berkeley.
1: Well first, let me start by saying thank you, Lisa, for having me on your podcast. It's an honor and a privilege to share time with you.
0: I appreciate you. I do.
1: So looking back, that was a long time ago. That was over 20 years ago when I was being recruited to play collegiate ball out of high school here in Oakland. And I love to recall this story because I think that this story of my recruitment night really captures some of the emotions, which were both beautiful and exciting and I felt so privileged. And at the same time, there's the reality to it, which is that... I am, and I have always been more than just an athlete. So while it was a huge blessing to be recruited, I remember the Cal coaches coming to my house for dinner, and my mom, my dad, my two sisters came back from college, or you know maybe they—I know, not even college—they were beyond college. They came back, and it was the whole family received the coaches, and when my they gave the offer of a scholarship to my family and to me at the dinner table. I remember my dad very kind of graciously welcoming that they've put an offer, but also saying to them, with or without a scholarship, and whether it be UC Berkeley or a different school in the country, I would make it possible for my daughter to go and to be successful where she would like to be and where she would be happy. So more than money, I want to know... How will you take care of her mind Um, and her well-being while she's a student athlete at your institution? And I remember in the moment thinking, wow, my dad didn't, for lack of better words, he didn't pimp me out. (laughs) Okay, Oakland native. (laughs) (laughs) Like he wasn't just trying to sell me into sell me into something. And that was like a really cool way to be accepted of like, remember who you are, remember where you came from. And also, yes, let's celebrate the fact that you've worked really hard, but more than you, that my parents had worked so hard to for me to be in a position to receive something like a scholarship to a university like Berkeley to play soccer. So it was a mixed bag of both like, beautiful, wonderful, and also I'm more than an athlete. And I think that was something that I've always really known and held on to in my time as an athlete.
0: Wow, Donya, that's so moving. There's so many places we can go with it. I think that for a father to a daughter, that's so important to be able to advocate for you like that and really ask the questions like, how are you going to take care of my daughter, her well-being, her mind while she's at your school? You're in charge of her at that point. It makes me wonder when you say your dad said, remember where you came from, what comes to your heart when you imagine him asking that question or making that statement, remember where you come from?
1: It means a lot of things. But first it's that remember that you move, you're part of a family, you're part of a community and that you're part of a particular family and community that has struggled and worked really hard in this country. My parents were political refugees from Chile, as were my sisters. And just that we move with a greater sense of purpose and that we move with a great sense of justice. I think it's really that, that like the awards and the accolades are great. And at the same time that they're a part of, I call it the American contradiction, that I was born and raised in the country that helped murder and destroy my family and thousands of other Chilean families and it's here where i'm you know able to be a female soccer player and it's in this country where i was able to receive scholarships to play at a university so that with all of the yeah that i'm it's just part of this contradiction that exists whether i'm celebrating or grieving it all kind of exists in the same bucket
0: right the contradiction living it every day being in it every day what does it mean fast forward now to you today to live with a sense of justice?
1: I think it's a lot about kind of weaving together the things that I'm interested or passionate about. You know, for example, like I still very much am an athlete. I do freestyle soccer now that my professional career is over. I teach, as you had mentioned, I'm in education and I'm also in cannabis wellness. and. There was a time, and actually I think still very much today, these fields are considered very different. That sports shouldn't overlap with cannabis and cannabis shouldn't overlap with education. And I see my work as really weaving together these separate fields that are very much a part of my life and they're not separate in kind of education and, and in looking at every aspect of my life as an athlete, learner, teacher as a practice of liberation. And so to constantly question and critique. And there's a lot of critiquing that I can do of the sports world, of the education world, of the cannabis industry. And so what? Like beyond just critiquing, like what am I... I try to lead my life with guiding questions of like, so what is my participation and what am I doing about it beyond just criticizing? And so, you know, for sports, I think it's like... For me, justice has been learning how to play differently than the way that I was trained for 25 years of my life. And that the lessons I learned through sport are the same things that I apply to education, to my work in the cannabis industry, that really center our mental health and our physical well-being two things that are, are not necessarily centered in... Any of those fields, not in education and definitely not in sports.
0: Right, right. I mean, it's so fascinating and just incredible to hear coming back to like your realization as a young teenager and that conversation with the coach who's recruiting you and your family, and the realization and knowledge that you still have that you are more than just an athlete. You have more to give than just what is in your physical being the intersection between mental health, sport, cannabis, I mean, liberation. What does it mean when you say you play differently than how you were trained now that you're a freestyler? What does that mean to you?
1: To me, that means that I center my joy differently. It means that... I'm less militaristic about the way that I play and I definitely have had to like learn from other practices like learn from capoeira or learn from breakdancing that there are other physical ways of moving the body. It doesn't all have to be hyper competitive and hyper like physically taxing. And so for me who suffered a lot of ailments you know, there's a lot of people and especially women who of certain ages kind of stop playing. They like, oh, I hung up my boots. Like I don't play anymore. Or they may play now and then. And for me, one of the things I noticed is that we're not actually taught how to evolve our play and our movements as we grow. And that's another way of saying like, as we age. <laughs> and uh-huh. so we stop using our bodies. And so it's literally meant like, learning how to dance with a soccer ball it's learning how to learn new moves that cater to my different ability and there's a lot of freedom in it because I'm not restricted by having to play with 21 other people for a set amount of time like freestyle in and of itself is like an actual physical embodiment of freedom that's not necessarily you're not going to find in the same way as a soccer field And uh, But what I've found is that my freestyle philosophy, like the intention with which you play, I can now apply that. Now that I've experienced it physically with freestyle, I can now apply that into an 11 v 11 soccer game. So it might look like the same game of soccer, but my intention now as a 38-year-old is different than it was as an 18-year-old. And that alone changes my entire experience. Experience
0: of playing. Wow. Wow. So you've said a lot of very powerful things intention, freedom, joy. I have never heard anyone talk about playing differently, and that that means that you center your joy differently within your play. And that evolution, especially for women, like you said, of burying that kind of play. Through the years. I mean, when I watch freestyle, it's like a dance. It's an art form. It's like dancing with a a prop almost. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? Like, it's really actually very athletic and very sporty and graceful at the same time.
1: Yeah, for me, freestyle is like a beautiful, it kind of captures like all the most beautiful parts of soccer kind of in one and all you need is a soccer ball and and different parts of your
0: body. Wow. I love it. I love it. I mean, you may or may not know I played soccer growing up. I was never recruited. I got injured when I was 17 and it was a heartbreaker. It was really tough. I couldn't get back to the level of playing college. So I had to shift my identity and I think that what you're talking about is the way we can shift that identity internally and then how we Express it not just on the field, but in life, in our relationships, especially the one with ourselves. And so I think this is a very, very powerful, powerful conversation. I mean, your life after sport could have been pretty much probably anything you wanted. You played now freestyle, but you also have this, you're an entrepreneur. You have Ojo de la Sol. What inspired you to create this way of expressing yourself?
1: Hmm, That's a great question. Thank you for framing it that way. Sure. You mentioned something just now about kind of this return inward and this evolution I had with the way that I play. Mm -hmm. A part of that story that was sad for me was that I had to actually physically step away from soccer in order to relearn how to re-engage with it on more joyful and healthy terms. Because there wasn't at that time, you know, I didn't have Lisa Bonta in my life creating this kind of safe space for me. So I had to like leave and step away from soccer culture in order to be able to actualize all of the parts of me that had been silenced. Not to say that it was like so oppressive and somebody was silencing me, but it was like there are these micro ways in which we either self-silence or parts of our identity aren't necessarily highlighted or acknowledged just to like be a part of a, a team or this kind of like mainstream soccer culture. And I found that in stepping away and kind of acknowledging just the parts of me that I no longer wanted to compromise, like I no longer wanted to compromise my indigenous Chilean identity, culture, Language to fit into some like California, SoCal, so you know, white middle class culture. I just wanted to be able to be exactly who I was and be on a field that with people who also recognize and acknowledge the importance of me being who I am in the way that most of my life, you know, I have had to acknowledge the importance of everyone else around me who defined the culture that I was a part of. And so, the stepping away was also stepping back into my body cuz i couldn't i was having so much pain in my feet by the age of 26 27 it got so bad i just kind of had to like hang up my boots cuz it wasn't worth it anymore for me to live with such chronic pain and one of the the realities was that i was uh, over injected with cortisone as a young athlete popping pills for the pain was a regular part of you know, a lot of athletes' lives. And it was a return to indigenous medicine and family medicine-making practices that kind of like helped me take ownership of my life again and my physical well-being. And it turned out that cannabis topicals, which are, for folks that don't know, cannabis that you use on your body is non-psychoactive. And it's a very, very powerful anti-inflammatory and when I looked at my life and how much inflammation and pain I was having at such a young age, it was mirroring an experience that my father was having, but for different reasons. So, my pain and inflammation was coming from sports and just total physical abuse of the sport. My dad's physical inflammation and pain was coming from psychological trauma of being in exile, of having his family murdered, of losing everything he's ever known to build a life in a country he didn't particularly want to be in. And seeing these parallels of how our bodies and our minds like totally intersect in this crazy way where it determines our physical and mental well-being, cannabis medicine became a really serious life changer for me and my family to kind of deal with some of the physical inflammation that then allowed us to dig a little deeper into our mental issues. And uh, I come from a family that is like, we're like three or four generations of bipolar and manic depression. And, you know, I feel like I'm of this generation that has so many more privileges and resources and knowledge available to me that I refuse to let my body end up in the state that my dad's body is in. He can barely walk because we don't address kind of the the traumas that we deal with. So that's kind of how I've committed. That's my long-winded way of explaining kind of this journey from sports education to cannabis medicine.
0: No, not long-winded at all. I knew there was a story behind it and a personal story because of the way that you move with it and talk about it. And the sort of way that I hear, you know, like, your voice quiver when you speak about it. There's a passion there. And so I knew there had to be a story and I wanted to hear it. So thank you for sharing it. I think that what you talk about, about not wanting to compromise your culture, wanting to be in your body, stepping away from the sport, then coming back on your own terms a lot of young women and male players wouldn't succumb to it. Like, just keep injecting me. Just keep giving me the pills. Like, I, I have to keep going. But then they're so disconnected, as you know. I think with your father, the sort of, we call it, the somatization of psychological challenges is when it comes out in your body.
1: hmm And I'm no different than those kids. Like, that was me. And- it did end my career, but I've chosen not to let it end me, you know? Yes. That's kind of the message I want to be able to share with young athletes who really can't see necessarily the bigger picture that like, you know, this, this moment in sports is temporary. This championship game, like this is all kind of temporary, but you have this body for the rest of your life. And what kind of life do you want to live? That's something that, You know, nobody ever really asked me. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, even though you knew inside that you're more than an athlete, how do I even start to express that or discover it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm the mental health and sport performance coach at the Oakland Roots here in our town. And I had a talk with one of the players today and I find that it's the older players who are, when I say older, you know, that's like 25. Right <laughs> <laughs> Right. They're allowing themselves to think about life after sports, to think about what do they do after playing pro soccer, even if they have another one, two, three years in them, laying the groundwork now for a business or a career or going back to school, that I love having these open conversations with them. And I find that the younger guys aren't ready yet in some ways. And so my work is to help them do both. They don't have to think about putting their boots up, but they should think about other ways to express themselves to ready themselves, right? For that time when it comes, it doesn't mean you have to kind of like not stay committed and competitive and to your job now, you can do both. Mm -hmm. It's not one or the other. It's and all. But I think that you know, and a lot of my players, they come from trauma in their home countries, parents who come to this country for a, quote, unquote, better life. There's that contradiction that you spoke of. And then in your father's case, bringing a family here to this country when he didn't have a choice. He didn't say, OK, you are leaving your country of origin and you want a better life, here's a menu of the places you can go. (laughs) Right, right. like that, right? And like to be in a country and establish a life and grow your family and not talk about it, not even realize there's something to express and then it lives in your body and deteriorates your body is a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. When you put it like that, I'm like, yeah, it was. (laughs) It is. Those, those, the young men on the roots, they're lucky to have
0: you. I appreciate you. Thank you. I wake up every morning excited because we get to talk about so many things because those guys are more than athletes. Those guys are just inspirational in the way that they carry themselves and what they stand for. I think that it's my privilege, really. And to help them find the words and emotions, like if I was to go back and like be in your father's teenage life. Like I was, <laughs> someone like me or a healer or someone to like be there by his side. You know, men like him, young boys like him in the countries that he grew up in. Intergenerational trauma is a real. Yep. Just as intergenerational healing is. And I know that's what you're doing, Danya. So I'm inspired and motivated by the work. I know the topicals you said are not psychoactive For those who might know, don't know what that means, can you break that down and like the actual application of how it has helped you and the people you work with and your dad?
1: Absolutely. Thanks for asking that. So cannabis topicals, for the most part, when people think about cannabis, they think about something that they consume, like they smoke it or drink it or ingest it in some way, and that produces the high associated with cannabis topicals which are made from the same beautiful flower because they're not ingested or eaten they don't enter the bloodstream in the ways that ingesting does to produce the psychoactive kind of high effect and our bodies are made up of an endocannabinoid system meaning we have receptors in our brain on our skin even our endocannabinoid receptors that is what cannabis, which is one of many, many plants that also has a cannabinoid system. And when it reaches, when it binds to our endocannabinoid system, it has, for topicals, it has a really strong anti-inflammatory and pain-relieving effect. So for people who deal with chronic pain, like rheumatoid arthritis, or people with neuropathy, or gout, Cannabis topicals are like an immediate effective way to kind of decrease the chronic discomfort that many of us will then kind of have to live with for the rest of our lives. So it's not like, oh, how do I reverse my rheumatoid arthritis? But it's like, how do I just coexist with this in a way that doesn't over medicate me or put me on one medication that requires another medication for the side effects? Cannabis is a Topicals are just like a really natural, but really strong pain reliever. So for me, a lot of my pain was in my feet and in my Achilles area in particular. So I started with rubbing the cannabis salve deep. Imagine a deep tissue massage, but using a cannabis oil. And the deeper you rub, the more the medicine can penetrate into the affected areas. So it's not like a lotion that you kind of just like dab on. It's like you really want to massage it into the affected areas. So anything from joint pain, muscle tension, bruising, scars, like it clears scars faster than any ointment I've ever used. Wow! Oh. Rashes, skin infections. It's just a really, really powerful, also an antimicrobial and antifungal. So it can help keep like areas clean. And I was exploring at the time that I was ex- making this medicine starting about over 10 years ago, one of my friends was founding a turmeric company. And she is one of the only single origin fair trade turmeric companies that sources out of India where she's from, that she launched in Oakland. And so I started putting turmeric in my cannabis cell. Because it's a coconut, a fatty oil, the turmeric is also highly activated and creates kind of this entourage effect that makes it extra strength. So I've literally just completely transformed my own kind of physical wellness practices. I have not taken a pill in over, I think, almost 12 years now that I've been off any type of medication. My elders use it. Like I would say that elders and athletes are the two people who really understand the benefits because they are folks who are either dealing with chronic pain or trying to relieve themselves from some temporary pain. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it works. And that's how I ended up in the cannabis industry. Like 10 years ago, you could not have told me that I would have had a company in the cannabis industry. I'd be like, (laughs) this is a hobby. This is what I'm doing to help myself. Uh Uh-huh. But it works. And so people were asking for it and it was growing. And because cannabis and cannabis topicals are still highly regulated. And there's a lot of taboo and a lot of misinformation. Do I keep this as an underground hobby or do I put this into the regulated cannabis industry? And so now I launched my business the first few weeks of shelter in place in 2020, after three years of trying to figure out how to get back into the cannabis industry. And so now my medicine can be found in quite a few dispensaries and delivery services throughout California, the Bay Area. And being one of the most regulated industries in the country, supporting small manufacturers like myself is one of the only ways we're going to kind of keep this medicine as good, high quality, and made with care because there's a lot of other big companies out there trying to claim all the space. So the little people out here, we're, we're fighting to get our stories out and to at the same time that we're working to get the stories out, we're also just trying to educate people of like, This isn't just a luxury, you know, spa product. This is actually like high effective medicine for our bodies. And the goal for me is to get people back into their bodies in subtle and significant ways. And the medicine is just a small part of that.
0: No, I think when you said the stories behind the medicine that you're making and distributing and changing people's lives with, it's the stories, I think, that make someone stop and i want to check that out i want to learn more and then it gives you that you know openness to educate like you just did so that's very very appreciated when you say the elderly and athletes i was thinking about all my athletes but the first person i thought of was my mom she's 84 and she lives with us she's slowing down she don't want to her mind is sharper than her body right now. And I think she gets frustrated, but she has arthritis in her knees and it's tough to see her. So I'm going to learn more and check this out and talk with you some more about it and learn and see if I can help people with it. But I appreciate just what you're doing. And again, most importantly, the stories of you and your family.
1: Thank you so much. I would love for your mom to try it. I trust that it would bring her, her knees some relief. For sure.
0: Yes. I would love her to try it as well. She will. (laughs) She'll try anything. I think she, like you, it was like, you know, she wants her body back, right? As much as possible. And I think a lot of people do. I have one last question for you. Another sort of take us there. Imagine, let's say you had the opportunity to interface with your mom in Chile before they came maybe six months before they came to the U.S. You have an opportunity now, the woman that you are, to whisper in her ear anything about her life to come, anything that moves you as you imagine this. Oof.
1: Wow, you just got me choked up with that question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What would you want to whisper in her
1: ear about? I would... Man, this came to me quick. I would want to whisper her, don't be afraid to shine, mom. Mm. Because she has done, she's the backbone of my family. And it means she's also had to be the, the fiercest and, you know, the one with most fire to elevate and sustain a family. You know, my dad, I mean, he was amazing. They're both amazing, but he had significant depression and she had to power through and build her company and raise three daughters and get us to college and, you know, convince us to go back to grad school. Unlike me, who now has Instagram to tell everyone every time something great happens in my life or in my business, we didn't celebrate her enough while she was winning. And I feel sometimes that she didn't see everything she's done as just one huge success. So I wish she could have just shined more because she is One of the most generous, loyal, fiercest people I've ever known. I wish she could have claimed that more.
0: Mm. Thank you so much. There's a way, I think, Danya, that you're claiming that for her and Mm. celebrating what she was able to show, which is a family, you all, (laughs) a united one. (laughs) Yes. And that's not always the case. So, I am so, so grateful and moved to share this space with you. You know, we're only a couple miles away from each other. I think I'm going to like text you after this and we have to hang out. But I so appreciate just who you are, what you bring to the space, even with technology between us. And I just can't thank you enough.
1: Well, Lisa, thank you so much. It was a joy to talk to you like that first time we met doing another podcast interview. And it was... Just such an honor to be invited back to share stories. I would love to learn more about your work with the roots. I'm fascinated. And sometimes I'm like, did I enter the wrong field? Should I be following in Lisa's steps?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the beauty, thank you for saying that. But the beauty is we can collaborate, and work together from our areas of passion and expertise. I love that. Thank you. I want to learn more from you. And just, I think we both are about helping people. And that's what this comes down to. So thank you so much.